Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Father, in Jesus' name, as we are going into your word, we ask, Lord, for understanding. Lord, you said if we do not understand the parable of the sower, how can we then understand any other parable? In that parable, you did say, the one who sows, sows the word, meaning the preacher speaks. If the sower sows and some of the seeds falls just, just on the ground, just on the path where people are just walking through, Birds come and take it away. And you said the meaning of that is when the word is preached and people do not understand, then Satan comes and takes the word away. Father, we are praying in the name of Jesus. Lord, let there be understanding in the house today. Thank you, Lord, for that which you have said, spoken to us up until now. Everyone you've used, your, your spirit has been great here. Right from fresh anointing prayer to the worship session, to the announcements, to the word that's just been given, the Bible reading, everything, Father, you have been talking to us. Lord, we may not have caught it, but Lord, I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, by the end of service today, let every single person here, Lord, have a word from you and know it is from you. Father, meet every need, every circumstance, every situation. Lord, a word from you can change situations forever. Your word says you sent your word and they were healed. Father, send your word today. Lord, I commit myself to you. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, use me as your vessel and let all the glory be yours. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Ah. Thank you, PJ, for this opportunity to preach. I don't know, Pastor has this tendency, to, even when he says he's on vacation, he's probably watching from somewhere. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, the title of our message today is Living by the Voice of God. And um, it's taken from popular scripture that uh, Sister beautifully read from Matthew chapter 4. Uh, well, let me imitate uh, <laughs> Minister Tunde Olubuji today and say, <laughs> fasten your silk belts. Turn to your neighbor. <laughs> Tell them, get ready. <laughs> we are going to Bible study today. <laughs> How did I do? <laughs> awesome. All right. We're going to be going through a lot of scriptures today, so please bear with me. I believe scripture really, 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 really backs up. That's when we preach, it really must come from scripture. So Matthew chapter 4, let's go back there. Um, Verse 4. right. so Jesus just got anointed by, by God with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Which tells me, when you're facing trials and temptations, 
God allows these things. So we should not be totally like, God, am I still your son? That is why I'm so happy with the way worship started today, that we were singing songs about the love of God, about our sonship, about the fact that we are children of God. God knows that, but a lot of times we need to be reminded of that all the time. That we are children of God. And I believe one of our sisters was telling me as we were worshiping, that it's like a river flowing. I mean, this is just confirming. In fact, she told me about strings, and then sister, our sister gave the word about it. I'm like, wow. And they did not even talk to one another. To show you that God loves you so much, that you are, just accept it. Don't argue with it. I'm, I'm his son. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm his son. End of story. I'm just his son. I almost want to say I don't know about you, but I actually know about you. You are his son too. You are his daughter. I'm his, I mean, you know what? Let's imitate him again. Turn to yourself now, not to your neighbor. I am a child of God. Say it again. I'm a child of God. It says in the mind of two or three witnesses, so say it three times. I'm a child of God. Okay. So if God is your father, which father doesn't talk to their children? What kind of father is that? We know them. We call them deadbeat dads, right? Nobody wants to associate with them. A good father will always, all the time, talk to their children. Now, Jesus said something in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Jesus answered, after the tempter came, he said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. First and foremost, the temptation he was going after is identity. Notice that if you are the son of God. So if Jesus has fallen into that, that means he's trying to tell Jesus, you can only be a son if you tell these stones to become bread. He's setting him up. When God already told him, if you go to Virtue chapter 3, this is my beloved son. He knew my well-pleased. So I'm summoning it to us. Are we falling for the devil's tricks all the time? When he's setting you up to say, oh, if you are the son of God, this should be happening. Or that shouldn't be happening. What is happening or not happening in your life has nothing to do with your sonship or your being a child of God. Absolutely nothing. You were a child of God before. The situation will come and go where you still be a child of God. Amen. Amen. So, but Jesus answered him and said, you know what? It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is so key. Because we know bread to be sustenance. What Jesus is trying to say is, you know what? What I live by are instructions from God. That is how I live my life. What God tells me, I do. I go to God, basically in prayer. I listen to him. I find out what he wants me to do. And I do it. If I have a situation in my life that I don't understand, I go to God. God, okay, this is the situation. What should I do? I wait for his answer. And I do that. Hallelujah. So God wants our everyday lives to be Governed by spending time with him, listening to him, listening for his voice, and obeying him. Doing what he says to do. He longs for us to have access to his wisdom. That is the desire of God. James 1.5, I believe it's up there, says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. 
Did he put a condition on it? Anyone. Last wisdom. Let him ask. And God will give freely without finding fault. So you don't go, I mean, God is not saying, oh, you were stupid yesterday. You put yourself in this situation. Now you are asking me for wisdom. You get that? He knows that. But you are a son. You are a child. Right? It's almost like a child learning to ride a bicycle. The father is, you know, guiding him. And then the child takes off and then he falls down. I know we have some hard African parents. You know, but a true father will say, oh, get up. You know what? You should have done it this way. Let me teach you how to do it again. Right? And that's the way God is too. He's not trying to find fault with us. The goal of our quiet time, our prayer time with God, should be to hear him so we can know what to do. That is really, really the core of a relationship. That is what sustains us. That is what will keep you in the, That's what makes the Christian faith dynamic. That's what separates us from every other religion. The fact that we have a God, we don't see him, yes, but we can hear him. This is what Jesus modeled, John chapter 5, verse 19 to, to 20. I want us to read that. I believe it should be on the screen. Since Jesus gave them this answer, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. Okay, and then the next one, 30. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So Jesus' life, in essence, was, and if you, if you read through the scriptures, that's what he did. He will wake up in the morning before daybreak, before everybody else is up, go to prayer. Spend time there. When he is sure he's gotten something from that encounter, then he goes out and things begin to happen. I'll give us a couple of examples. I believe um, uh, Luke chapter 6. Verse 12, if we open to it, it says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Jesus had a night vigil, was just there the whole night. So verse 13 says, When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he designated apostles, Simon, Andrew, James. So look at that. He had all these people following him, crowd, disciples, Right? So when he was not going to choose 12, this is serious business now. How do I know the 12 to choose? How can I make sure I'm choosing the guys that are going to do the work? Including the guy who's going to betray me. You see what he's, what he's going to So he spent the whole night until he figured that out. So when he went back out now, it's not like, hmm, God I just said, okay, the one that's wearing a turban, yeah, that's him. The one that um, doesn't have any shoes, yeah, that's the one. Oh, that one there that looks very cute, neat, yeah, he may betray you. He may be the one betray you. Just kidding. But I don't, I mean, whatever way he said it. So he figured that out. Funny enough, if you go down to verse 18, it continued, they went down, and it says, um, he went down with them, stood on a level place. This is Luke chapter 6, and verse 18 says, 
And um, a great number of people came who had come to him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people were trying to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Where do you think the power came from? From on high. He was there all night praying, getting instructions. I want to submit to us, what you need is to figure out what God's will is concerning that circumstance. What is he saying? What's his timing? When does he want to move? I mean, this is God who told Abraham, you're going to have children. Now, your descendants are going to be in Egypt for 400 years, enslaved. So tell me, if those guys in Egypt were praying, God, set us free. Today, set us free. We must go now. Year one, year two, year three, year four. He had already said, in his own, you see, these are things you don't, in his own wisdom and, and whatever he's planned to do, 400 years. So he can be praying from now till, I mean, I'm sure some of those guys were praying. Nothing happened. Because he said 400 years. There's another instance, I think it was Daniel and Jeremiah. They were sent to exile, and God said, 70 years. So, it was until when was, so Daniel was now opening scripture, now figured out, wait a minute, ah, it's almost 70 years, let's go pray. And then he went and prayed, and that happened. Let me give us another example. Um, Elijah, James chapter 5, I want us to open to this scripture, because we quote it. A lot. At least, if you've been in the faith, you've been closing for quite some time. It's a very powerful scripture. James chapter 5, from verse, uh, let me start from verse 15 to 17, or to 18. It says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick, it's talking about praying for the sick, will make the sick person well, the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So the prayer, or I think the New King James or King James says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Or Amplified would say makes powerful, uh, makes dynamic power available. All right. And then he gives an example in verse 17 that Elijah was a human being like us, meaning there's no difference, right? Even as well, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And he did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and earth produces crops. I'm a powerful guy. I mean, he just went, it's like you go to President Trump. Mr. Trump, it won't rain in the United States for three years. Oh, no, he didn't say, yeah, okay, he said so, right? Yeah, for, well, he didn't say, well, we'll get to the story in a little bit. It will not rain until at my word. And then three and a half years later, then he prays and then he rains. So it looks that simple. But let's go to the story. Let's see the secret. First Kings chapter 17. Chapter 1. I mean, sorry, First Kings 17, verse 1, and then First Kings 18, verse 1. First uh, Kings chapter 17, verse 1 says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba and Gilead, out of nowhere, said to Herab the king, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. 
He said that, boldly declared that. Now, just because of, let me just quickly read the next few, chapter, next few verses. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn his sword, go there. So, God gave him instruction. There's not going to be rain, go here. That's where you're going to get fed from. When that ran out, another word came to him, go there. So, he was definitely living by whatever God told him to do. All right? So, he said that. Now, the next chapter, 18 verse 1, says, this is 1 Kings 18 verse 1. After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. You see that? So it all originated from God. So in his interactions with God, it's like, God, okay, there's no rain. When is rain coming? We are praying there's no rain. When, when, when is this going to end? And then God says, okay, it's time. Go. If you read further down now, that's the popular story about, you know, he called the prophets about together. They prayed, fire came down from heaven. And then he tells Ahab, go and rain will come. But there was still no sign of rain in the clouds at all. And Elijah had to keep on praying and praying and praying for rain to show up. Which tells me that even in our prayer lives and our prayer points, our prayer should be guided by what is God asking you to pray about? What are you praying for? You are not just praying anyhow. What is he saying? Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Once he's released it, then, you, then you are, it's like you have permission to go after it. So, for example, now, our sister just released the word. Strings, people getting delivered, set free. If you are in that category, you jump on it. You're like, God, that's it. And you pray like there's no tomorrow. You run after that thing as if, you know what? That is my credit card. It cannot be denied. There's money on it. So that is the way God wants us to live. Because God is all-powerful. He's almighty. Yes, he can do anything. But the question is, does he want to do it? Right? I can lift this. Do I want to be lifting this? No. Right? You guys can ask me and ask me, lift this, lift this. If I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. Right? And God, we have to kind of start thinking of God like that. He, we are like him. I don't want to say it's like us. We are like him because, you know, that's. So meaning in the same way that we have likes and wants, he also does, has those things. There are things he wants to do when he wants to do it. And a lot of times he's been talking to us, but we have just not been the one paying attention. Paying attention. Okay. Now. Oh, yeah, I have some time. Let me give us an example of a very interesting guy in the Bible. It's a very interesting story. This is one of those prophets that missed it at the end of the day. But I found out that some, those stories are there so that we can learn from them. A lot of times, people knock Samson. But nobody else has done what Samson did. Some of those things of lifting gates and all that stuff. The spirit of might, very few people have used it. Of course, we know how it ended. But we can learn from him. So I want us to learn from a guy named Balaam. Numbers chapter 22. The story starts. The children of Israel have moved from, uh, 
from Egypt now, after the 400 years I talked to you about earlier. And they were on their way to the promised land. And as they were going, obviously they encountered resistance and they would just defeat the people. So this guy, the king of Moab, got scared and was like, man, these people are coming, they are going to defeat us. Let me go and find a prophet that I know. Once he curses the people, they are cursed. So I think that's where I'm going to handle this. So he goes after Balaam. And uh, I'll pick up the story from Numbers chapter 22, verse 5. So it says, So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Baal, who was at Pithor, near the Euphrates River in his native land. Balak said, A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I'll be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. So God had anointed this guy, called Balaam, with such powers that if he blesses someone, you are blessed. If he curses someone, you are cursed. There are people like that. In fact, most of us here are probably like that. Wow. You almost don't believe me. You are a child of the Most High God. You just don't, once you start to understand the powers that you have, you understand that you have that. All right, so let me keep on going. The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. So when they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. So look at Balaam now, verse 8. It says, spend the night here, and I will report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. See that? They came to him for a request. So Balaam was smart enough to say, okay, I mean, I don't know this, but you know what? Sit here tonight. I'm going to talk to God and see what God is going to tell me to do. So he understood that the power that he has, has a source. I can't just go and do anything. I have to connect to the source. So he does that. And he says in verse 9 that uh, God came to Balaam and asked, who are these men with you? Balaam said, God, you know, told them who he was, who they were. And God said... Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on these people because they are blessed. See that? God gave clear instructions. So it's, next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak, go back to your country for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. End of story. Or not. So Balak is like, I don't know this guy, but I know money, money makes things happen. So he sends more money. And of course, money does make some things happen. So Balaam answered, he came the second time. Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. I wish we could all be like that. No matter what the job offer is, no matter what the, the guy is saying or the woman is saying, you know, no matter what, I will not go beyond what God is telling me to do. If it's not clear... Because sometimes it takes time for it to be clear. I still pause. I mean, I do what is necessary. I mean, if there's some immediate danger, I do what is common sense, okay? But if I have time, I will pause and not make any decision until it is clear what the Father wants me to do. That is what Jesus was referring to in, in um, John chapter 5, verse 30, when he says, As I hear, I judge. So he hears from, he himself will hear from the Father, and then he will, I mean, whatever he's hearing, which I'll go into this a little bit later on, 
he makes a judgment. Is this really God or is it not God? Is this the devil trying to talk to me or, so, or is it me? He makes a judgment and he says, what helps my judgment the most is because I don't want to do my own will. I'm always more interested in what does the Father want to do? In fact, the key to success in Christian life, in fact, it's success in life, generally speaking, is submitting yourself to God. Meaning, whatever God tells me is a yes. No matter what. It's a yes. God, if you ask me to go to Timbuktu, that's it. If it's Bel Air, I'm there. If it's Bombay, <laughs> she, notice she didn't say yes to Timbuktu. <laughs> so no matter what the thing is, yes. So let me continue this story. But he said, you know what? Spend the time here. Let me go and find out what else the Lord would tell me. And we do this a lot of times. So that night, God came to Balaam and said, since this man, I've come to summon you. Okay, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Now, persistence in prayer. So he persisted enough. God's like, okay, fine, go. It's not a perfect will, but I'll work with this. So he went. The whole story is there. I'm not going to go into that in terms of Balaam. I mean, God had to now use a donkey. By the time God is using a donkey to talk to you, Houston, we have a problem. But it just shows that God can use many, many ways to talk to us. Many, many ways. We use many ways to communicate these days, right? You can text me. You can WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram. Mail, you can send me a mail. In the, you can, I mean, a million and one ways. You can walk all the way to my house and knock on my door. In the same way, in fact, much, much more. All that multiplied by one trillion. God can communicate with you. It could be, I'm sure some of us now, in just the songs that were sung today, you'll be like you are the only one that they were singing to. It might have just been one word from those songs. It may be the word that was shared. It may even be in the announcements. I mean, we all laughed and all that, but when Minister Tony said, turn to your neighbor, that might, I mean, that may be God talking to somebody some, right there. What you just said, boom, God loves you. I'm like, wow. Because God uses many ways to talk to us. Okay, now, some vital truths about um, the voice of God. Because some people say, you know what, the stories I just said, you know, that's the Bible. God doesn't talk to us anymore. I mean, once the Bible has been written, that's it, you know. But that is not true. God still speaks to us today. He has not changed. God has not changed one bit. In fact, the next chapter of Numbers, Balaam, this guy, actually says something we quote all the time. Verse 19, Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He doesn't change. He's the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
the God who created, we all believe God created us, right? Who created the mouth that I'm using to speak? Are we now saying all of a sudden now it's gone mute? It can't speak anymore? It's only religions with idols that have gods that don't speak because those idols are mute. God speaks. Amen. Now, there's another truth. People seem to think, okay, well, God only speaks to special, special people. Uh, they can say one day, uh, they can say Genevieve, that guy that they call Bishop, Pastor Gide, all those people. But no. Avria, no one is more qualified than you to hear the voice of God. I think you need to turn to your neighbor and tell him or her, no one is more qualified than you to hear the voice of God. Please, let's say that to myself now. No one is more qualified than me to hear the voice of God. That is so true. So there's no, oh, it's pastor alone that, hey, ah, when pastor or when bishop or when DY, ah, when they pray, God just opens things. No. Now, God may have special ways of speaking to people that stay not specially for them, but that's where God is because you're an individual. So God will tailor your own speech process to you, at least at the beginning, to you, so that you get used to that. And then after some time, it begins to expand that just to kind of also make you grow. For example, you don't tell a kid, okay, I'm going to teach you how to ride a bicycle, and then when he's old enough, not teach him to ride a car. I mean, what kind of parent is that? And if you can afford it, why can't he fly your private jet? Oh, no, some people are feeling me. That's why. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, you know, as, and the same way with God too. The same way, and that's what Jesus was saying. In finding John chapter 5, right after he said in verse, I believe, 19, that the Father will show him things. In verse 20, he's talking about the Father will not even show me greater things. As the Father can raise the dead, so I too will raise the dead. Showing you the progression that Jesus went to. Jesus did not start off raising the dead. Jesus is our role model because he gave up all his rights as God to become a man. So, an anointed man of God now was not operating. So, Jesus initially started off with, okay, we do some miracles here and there, turn water into wine, heal the sick and all that. And as he was getting more proficient in that, he now got to where God now showed him, okay, let's raise some people from the dead. So that progression, that progression, hallelujah. Amen. Awesome. So no one is more qualified than you to hear the voice of God. It is a matter of training and practice. One other thing too, God cares about the small stuff. A lot of times we think, ah, I only go to God for the big things. Who should I marry or not marry? Which house should I buy? What career? Yes, he's interested in that, but also he's interested in the minute details. I mean, Scripture says the very hair on your head is numbered, or not? Okay, <laughs> meaning that okay, it's number zero is a number too, right? But let's leave that alone. Um, trust me, I, I feel the pain too. I'm trying to, so let's go. To, let's let's not go there. All right. But if he's that interested in 
the hair on your head and knows the detail. Trust me, he's interested in when there's traffic on your way to work to make sure you get there on time and tell you, dude, take another route. Dude, check your ways. I've had that happen to me a couple of times. Sometimes I just blow it off. I'm like, ah, traffic. I'm going, I'm going to be late for church today. Uh, how do I explain? And been telling me. So stuff like that. Even at your job, at your workplace, you just get that gentle nudge about something. He is interested. God is interested in the very, very minute details. Amen. I hope this is blessing someone. Now, one other thing, another truth. It is not difficult to hear from God. Sometimes we think it's a hard process. Ask all these people who gave words today. Did they, I mean, did you pray to gin it up? I mean, they can ask them. Did they like, Father, I need a word for them today. God, I need to hear that word. The word for Agape House of Worship. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Father, ah, no. They were just worshiping God and God just dropped something. That's it. It's grace. It's not, nobody is, there's no. And you probably have been hearing words too, you just didn't know it was him. It's like the popular adage that goes, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, did the tree fall or not? It fell, right? But there was nobody, no witnesses. We have this funny thing in Africa. It says uh, they named <laughs> some rivers. I think one is called River Niger, right? By somebody. And they're like, ah, but the locals have been, <laughs> they've been using these rivers from way before. They know the name. But since they didn't write it down, right? <laughs> it was the person who came and wrote it down and gave it a name. That's it. So likewise, it is not difficult. Okay, it just takes training and practice. It takes being willing to risk. And God is also willing to walk us through the process. Start small. Don't do anything big like, oh, I had a dream. Ah, you're going to marry me. That's, that's my wife. How can you start? God has never spoken. You've never spoken before. You've never, you, the next thing you're jumping for is wife. No, please. I beg you. Don't do that. Stop it. So start small. Like, I don't know, whatever is small to you, just start from there. What does God want me to do? Okay, what, Father, what should I eat for supper tonight? Is God interested in that? Yeah. I used to love steak. Actually, I still do love steak. After a while, God just said, dude, you're eating too much red meat. I hope you, I hope you are aware. <laughs> okay, Father. Yes, Lord, I'll cut it back. So he's interested in me. I mean, as a time I was having a health challenge, and I'm like, God, how, what, how, what should I do? In time of prayer, he just told me, you know what, okay, uh, do this. And this was instruction. Wake up in the morning to pray. Early in the morning, read your Bible. After that, go and exercise. Do this. It was telling me the kind of exercise to do in the morning. And then at night, exercise again. I'm like, ah, God, really? <laughs> that's a lot of exercise for a day. But that was the instruction. Okay, and in a little while, the whole thing resolved. I mean, I used to have high blood pressure, boom, that's, I'm like, wow, it's, it's, it's done. I'm supposed to know this right, as a medical professional, right? But sometimes, Holy Ghost has to kind of say, do this thing you're learning. Which brings another principle. There are times what you're asking God for, you need a little bit of more education about it so that they can communicate with you. 
right? So if God wants you to design a rocket engine, that's his ultimate goal. How can he talk to you about rocket engine? If you have no, how do we even have a discussion? Which goes to, I think, okay. Let me just go to the fact that God communicates in diverse ways. and start off from there. In many ways, God communicates. I think I've said some of those before. And I'll say number one is scripture. Scripture is our guardrail. Scripture is what protects us. It's like our constitution. Because you're going to hear a lot of things. Now, remember where we started off from Matthew chapter 4. The devil came and said, turn these stones into bread. Jesus replied with what? In scripture. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So the devil is like, eh, so we're doing this scripture game. Okay, me too, I'll give you scripture. But scripture says, uh, jump off this cliff. Uh, but scripture says if you got, you know, the angels will suspend you. That's scripture, right? It is scripture. Psalm 91, I think, that we like to quote a lot. So, but if Jesus jumped off that cliff, what do you think will have happened? Jesus will have died before his time. So scripture is so critical. You need to have a fundamental good grasp of scripture so that that way, whatever you are hearing or you are perceiving in the other ways in which God communicates, you have a reference line. It's like what you can go to. I mean, look at the United States now. Uh, a president comes, passes a law, boom. And then somebody goes and challenges in court. It's not in the Constitution. And the person's like, oh, they look at the Constitution. It's not there. Huh, okay. So they have to find another way to do it. So same way, whenever you're hearing something, make sure it lines up with Scripture. In fact, and very rarely will we get this, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, God has to now kind of almost go like the, I mean, a great length, like sending the very angel Gabriel. I mean, if you are going to tell a, a teenage woman that she's going to get pregnant before getting married, I mean, Dan has to come with some serious backup. <laughs> you see what I'm trying to say? So, if you are getting something, it has to come with some serious backup for you to jump on it. Some serious backup. I mean, there are some things God is going to stretch you on. Yes as you go through the growth process of learning to hear his voice and obeying what he's saying. All right, so you need to have a good fundamental back, I mean, knowledge base of scriptures. Just read the word. Just continue to study the word. Ask God for understanding. And as those things come by, I mean, God will begin to speak to you through scriptures. Okay, I'll give a quick, a, a quick testimony, a quick example. Um, during the recession, which is such a long time ago now, for some reason I just felt this urge to buy a house. Okay, fine. Started saving up for it, saved up for the house. So we started looking for a house. So we found a place. It was lovely. My wife and I fell in love with it. It was on, I think then they used to call it short sale or something. Okay. Even our lawyer said, wow, these people should be begging you to buy the house. But somehow the house, they just, they just disagreed. The lenders just said, absolutely, we're not going to get this house. So, of course, my wife wasn't happy. I just said, okay, fine, whatever. Um, I mean, we had prayed for this house. I even brought my parents who are visiting. Let's go and pray for that house. <laughs> That's how desperate we were in this prayer. But I'm saying this to just see where nothing happened. They just, I mean, this house, 
Nobody was buying it. I mean, they put it on the market. Nobody, and so they, but they just said no. Okay. So one day when I'm just flipping through, I think it's Zillow, one of these apps. And all of a sudden, I just see a house. And something in me just went, actually, I can't explain it. It just went like, okay. So I showed my wife, I said, let's go see this house. Okay, so she went. We even had an argument that day. I said, you girls go. I'm not interested in falling with you the house. So she went there. She fell in love with it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go there now and then see. So I went there. I'm like, God, okay, this house looks fine. But I need to hear from you. So I, I went in front of her. I was praying, I was praying. And within like two minutes, a scripture came. Boom. Acts 17, I believe somewhere that says, uh, for God, every man came from one man, all the nations of men, and God has determined where they should live and in what time and seasons they should live. And that was just, I'm like, wow, this is the house. I'm done. And if lived in that house still today, I mean, I have no regrets with it whatsoever. To just say, that's how God can use a scripture to talk to you. Now, the other ways, the inner voice, some of it I've referred to now. Impression, just get a feeling that this, I should do something. Dreams. I mean, you need to know about interpretation of dreams. You need to talk to someone. Once you have, let me give you two things about dreams. If you have a dream that's occurring twice or three times, same dream, there's, I mean, there's something there. You need to find it. And I'll give you an example for that. Joseph was talking to Pharaoh, the king, and he said, those two dreams mean the same thing. So God repeated the message. Peter had a trance. Thank you for talking about trance. I was so happy when she said that. That's another way that God talks to you. Trance just means you're out and you're seeing stuff. A vision is open. You're seeing what's happening. Okay? So once a dream happens twice, talk to God about it. God is trying to invite you into a relationship to ask him what it means. And he'll tell you what it means. Prophecy. That's what you had today. People come to you and tell you something. God is talking to you that way. Tongues. Interpretation of Tongues. That's just a slipper because we're out of time of how God wants to communicate with us. Finally, to close, because we are compelled by Love's Evangelism Month, when you are going out to preach the gospel, also, and I'm sure the speaker is going to talk later, maybe next Sunday day after, is going to talk more about this. Listen for the voice of God. Where does God want me to go? Who does he want me to talk to? What is he saying? That shouldn't keep you from preaching the gospel, but that should enhance your experience. Amen. Shall we pray? Can we rise up? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just talk to God. Just, just talk to God. Just ask him. You want to be able to hear him, perceive him. Just genuinely say, I want to be able to know you, hear what you're saying. I want to be to be led by you. I want to live by your voice. Live by the words that come out of your mouth. I need to hear you. I need to know when you're speaking to me. Father, and I want to step out and obey. Father, I, I, I hand over my yes to you, my will to you. Father, I want to do whatever you tell me to do, I will do. Father, I, I lay down my life for you. Father, those situations and circumstances that I don't know what to do, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom, Lord. Yes, Father. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Our Father and our God, we thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for your words. Father, as you've spoken to your children about your desire to speak with them, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, as they go today, Lord, back up these words with signs and wonders. 
Let them hear you. Father, reveal yourself. Send angels, visions, dreams, the Holy Spirit, inner voice, scriptures, the many ways in which you communicate with us and help them know. And Father, as they take the steps to obey, Father, back those words up. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. God bless.